Well, good morning. It's really good to, to be with you all. Uh, I hate that I was gone last weekend, although it wasn't that bad. I was over in Portland and with some friends, and that was really nice. Um, I enjoyed the weather there a great deal. Uh, it's more, more vi- my uh, vibe, I guess you might say. The city itself, I don't know if it's really my vibe. Uh, Portland's different. But then again, Atlanta's different. Uh, last night, I was going out to eat in, in downtown, and I was like, yeah, Atlanta's weird, too. It's, it's okay. You know, really, we're, we're around people, and we're all weird So because we're all different from each other. And it's kind of this beautiful thing that, that we are able to experience, and sometimes annoying, but usually just beautiful thing. If you, if you really just have an appreciation for the uniqueness of everyone, it's, it's really cool just to sit back and think about that. Um, but I am thankful to be back, and... I'm really glad that we've been able to worship God and song a lot today, been able to pray to him, been able to think about the cross and how meaningful that is for us and the sacrifice that Jesus made on it um, and his bloodshed and, and how that only through that are we able to even come to God and approach him to be considered children of his, to have our sins washed away. Um, it's just a wonderful thing that we have, the great blessings through Jesus Christ and his death. So our theme for the year has been in Philippians 2, as James already read. If you want to go ahead and turn to Philippians 2, you can. The first couple passages we're going to look at are in Philippians 1 and 2. So our theme has been focused on, we usually have a couple of sheets up here. I guess maybe they got thrown away or something, but it's the last Sunday where this is going to be our theme, so that's okay that they got thrown away. But uh, it's on shining as lights in the world. That we are, we are, our, our goal this year has been to focus on how do we shine as lights in the world? That's our like living goal. That's the practical side of our goal for this last year. The learning part of it was uh, what James also read, where we work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. So we've talked a lot about that over the year. Towards the end of the lesson, uh, I, I want to tell you just a little bit about what our theme is going to be for, the, for this coming year starting next Sunday. But But that's been our goal, is to think about how are we supposed to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling? And how does that help us to live as lights, to shine as lights in this world? So what I want to do is I want to actually talk about this light that leads to life. And I want to show a couple of things about that, how light and life are connected. Um, I, I've been kind of impressed looking at the Gospel of John and also 1 John there are some strong connections between light and life. There's also connections between life, light, truth, and love. It seems like in First John in particular, all four of those things are just so intertwined that you can't separate them. That we have, um, we have truth that brings us to light, that then we have life, and now, we can, now we're supposed to love. It's basically that kind of pattern throughout First John. You might want to separate, or not separate, but switch light and truth. But really, that's the pattern is that we have truth, which is the equivalent of light. It brings us to life, and that means a couple different things. And then through that, we are also now to love. And that like, just epitomizes our life. Um, so I, I was impressed with that looking at First John. And I started thinking about our, our, our theme for the year, and I started thinking, you know, one, one of the things I don't know if we talked much about is um, what does this light lead to? And I think that what the light actually leads to is life. Um, and I, I want to look at that in Philippians. Let's go ahead and look at Philippians 2. And we're going to look at these verses again that James already read. First thing I want to just point out is that light is synonymous with a Christian. Life is just goes hand in hand with 
being a Christian and being of God, being of Christ. So let's go ahead and reread, and we're going to start in verse number verse number 14, actually, and just start, read through uh, 18. So Philippians 2, 14, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. I am glad and rejoice, rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. The first thing I just want to point out is when you, when you see that he, what he says in verse 15, that we will be blameless, innocent children of God without blemish in this world. And he describes what this world is like. He says that it's a crooked and twisted generation and that we shine as lights amidst this world, amidst this generation. First thing I just want to point out is that if we're going to say that we're lights, we need to understand what he says here is that that means we're blameless and we're innocent. It means that in this world, no matter what's around us, the fact that it, there is, it is crooked, it is twisted, it is perverse, I think other translations say, that, that's what the world is described by. But that's not what a child of God is described by. A child of God is described as being blameless and innocent. Now, let's go back to Philippians 1. Philippians 1, and we're going to start in verse 9. Philippians 1, beginning verse 9. Paul says, It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more, with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So kind of a similar idea where he talks about being, uh, being pure and blameless, and his prayer is that they would, they would grow in love, that it would abound, that they would grow with knowledge, discernment, so that way they can prove what is excellent, approve what is excellent. Well, why would they need to do that? Because they're in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. And, that, and that's what we are in. It, I, I was kind of impressed looking at Philippians 1 and 2 leading up to our theme. I, I was rereading that uh, over the weekend. And Paul just spends a lot of time talking about this is what you have through me. This is what, who you are. And this is why I've labored this way. And he goes on the rest of the book really talking about that. Really one of the main things that he's wanting them to understand is you're supposed to be this in the midst of all the terrible things around you. It, it's awful out there is what he's saying. But, and, and even there, there are people who are, who are uh, doing good things, but they're kind of doing it for the wrong reasons. And he even says, okay, we'll leave those people alone a little bit. I mean, it'd be better if they weren't preaching for the wrong reasons, but as long as Christ is preached and he's glorified, then that's the goal. And so Paul is kind of showing that in his life that he's going to keep laboring. He's going to keep working. He's hoping that his labor and work in them is something that is fruitful. And it's all because we're supposed to be this light. We're supposed to be this child of God. So what he says here is he says that we are to be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. The pure and blameless there is actually interesting because it's not the same as the blameless and the innocence of uh, chapter 2 verse 15 that we read it's a little bit different this uh, pureness and this sincerity is actually actually means that you're found pure when you're examined by the sun's light so when things are brought to light it's shown to be pure well that's kind of interesting because that's kind of connected to what our theme is 
that, that we are to be lights in the world, pure and blameless. And he says at chapter one that you're to be pure and sincere, which means that when everything is examined, when everything is in the open with who you are, you're shown to be pure and sincere. That the light actually shows that it is that in you. And then the idea of being blameless or, or without offense, without blame, is that not only are you without blame, as in no one can say anything bad about you, but you also don't cause others to sin. So, so a couple ideas real quick about uh, being this light in this world, according, just kind of keeping the theme in Philippians with, with the words that he uses, is that we're to be blameless, we're to be innocent, that love should abound, that we are to prove what is excellent, that we are to be pure and sincere, and that that is proven to be so by the light that shines on us, which I could say is just God and the truth uh, in Christ himself. And that, and that lastly, we are to be without offense, that, that no one should have any cause to say, you caused me to stumble. You weren't the light that you were supposed to be. You didn't shine the way you were supposed to. In fact, you proved to be darkness. Um, you were a tainted light where there was partial light, but also not fully light in this crooked and perverse generation. And also that, that we ourselves aren't led to sin. So those are just a few things that I think that Paul is trying to bring out and say, this is who you are. I don't think he's trying to say, you're not being that, please start being that. He's just saying, this is who you are. My prayer is that you continue in that. But the consistent thing that I see in the first few chapters is that light exists in the midst of darkness. It's a perverse, it's a crooked generation. Jesus would say, I refer to Jesus' prayer in John 17 a lot because I, th I just think it's very impactful. And it's also really impressive that we have this very long prayer of, of Christ, of our Savior. So uh, some of the, his prayer there is not only for himself and his situation, but it is also for his disciples and those that would come after them. And he wants them to be sanctified by the truth and he wants them to be lights because he is light, but the darkness has hated him. And so the darkness will hate his disciples as well. This has been true ever since the beginning, that darkness hates light. I mean, God had to bring light for there to be anything created. It was all darkness. Darkness' goal is to expel light. And so we shouldn't be surprised in this life that we live as Christians, that we strive and strive and we just kind of look around and we just see so much darkness. Well, that's how it's been since the beginning. Um, it is only when God is able to create something that light is seen in the midst of darkness and then it illuminates everything around. But what, it has to be the purity and the, the, um, the sincerity of God's creation. It's not something we're going to do of our own, which is interesting because part of our theme is that we work out our own salvation. And we talked about that some and how it's actually not us actively working out our salvation as much as it is like following God's path where he works out salvation for us and through us. So in, in the way God does that, it reflects how God created light at the very beginning, that he brought this light out of darkness. So just, I just want to bring up those few things about our theme and looking at light and the essence of light in Philippians 1 and 2. What I want to do next is I actually want to go to John chapter 1. And I want to take a look at this idea of the connection of light and life. And I'm going to use the, the whiteboard a little bit, especially since we have an eraser, which is great. Um, I don't feel like I'm going to stay in the whiteboard or anything. I want to read John 1, 
And we're going to read a pretty long uh, section here. We're going to read 1 through 18. And then I just want to break some, a few things down and, and maybe bring out some things that we've already thought about, maybe bring out some things that you haven't thought about in this context that might be helpful for us as we consider light and life in that connection. John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. It's not the same John that is writing this, by the way. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were not born, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. All right. So a few things about this light. So it starts out, in the beginning was the Word. So he's talking about Jesus, but he goes all the way back to the beginning, saying that, that he was there. Uh, he, he actually gives them a pronoun, saying he was in the beginning with God. This is the same as the Word was in the beginning. And it says that all things are made through him, and without him uh, was not anything made that was made. All right, so I'm going to have to write down here, so hopefully I can see it. So the first thing is there's this idea of being with God, okay? That's the first thing we see. This person, this entity is, is with God, okay? Then the next thing it says that in him was life. So we come around here and we say from there, there is life, okay? So he's with God, then in him was life. He has life. And it says that the life was the light of men. So this life then produces or just is light okay and then what does it actually say after that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it so the light shines the light shines and provides light to, to others to, to more things okay we're not going to connect it just yet um but then he goes on and he talks about other people uh, I guess just to go ahead and connect it in verse uh, number 18. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. So this idea of shining is actually shining to show something about God, saying that this person that became life, that was light, that shone in darkness, is bringing others to God, that he is with God. He's proving something about himself, okay? Well, what does he say about us, though? That, that's Jesus. What does he say about us? So verse 9, the true light which gives light to everyone is coming into the world. 
He was in the world, the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, his own people did not receive him. To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So, when you think about this, this is Jesus. Let's think about ourselves. So the light shone and proved something about this person that he was with God. We are recipients of the light shining. And we're talking about how we are supposed to be lights. So let's start with this. So it says that, that the light shone. Okay, so this is, this is our path, okay? So for us, the light was shining. So we, I'll just keep the same word, shine. Well, so the shine came from the light. And we're going to look at this in a second, another verse that produces life in us. And then from that, we are able to be called children of God, sons of God. So what does that mean? Now we can be with God. And what do we do? We shine. I mean, I made this up, so I don't know if this is actually the way it's supposed to be. But we're going to look at a couple other verses, especially in, um, in First and Second Peter. But I think this is kind of our path. So this is Jesus he starts with God. This is us. We start with the shine. We start with the, the light that's shone on us. And then now we become light. Now we are, uh, have life within us. And we are born of God, so we are with God. And we're going to look at what that means and how, what that looks like. But you see how we are recipients of everything Jesus has done. And now like the inverse is happening so that we can eventually be the same place where, where Jesus started, which is with God. That's the goal. Like, this is why shining as lights in the world is important. Not just because you need to go shine your light. I mean, that, that's kind of a, a common idea. Go, go be lights in the world. Jesus talked about that in the Sermon on the Mount. We are salt of the earth, light in the world. We are supposed to be that. But what is the end of that? The end of that is for us to be with God, but also for us to kind of keep perpetuating this pattern for everyone else. That we shine on people so now they can be light. They have the light within them and, and it's on them. They can have life and they can be with God. The same thing we have from Jesus is the same thing we need to be giving to other people. So again, I, I don't know if that's uh, the, the best way for that to be described, but it made sense to me. Um, I'll erase that in a second because I think it's just going to be distracting because someone's going to be sitting there being like, okay, I don't, I don't get that. That doesn't make sense. Let's look at, look at a couple more uh, passages though. Let's go ahead and go to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're at one passage in 1 Peter and one passage in 2 Peter to talk about this just a little bit more. 1 Peter chapter 2, and let's go to verse 9. Peter's talking to the two Christians saying, this is who you are. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What is the purpose of us being this new creation, this new nation, this, this new person of God, this child of God? What is the purpose of that? That we proclaim the excellencies of him. I, I could say that, that we shine, that we shine the light back on Christ, that we give him glory, that we show people who Christ is, and that we show that he has called us out of darkness into his light. And just in case we, we ever forget it, although it says that we are lights in the world, we are only shining the light that we have from Christ. And I think far too often I try to shine my own light, which leads to praise for me. 
even if people don't actually say praise be to you, Blake, if they say praise be to God, because I felt like it was just me, I really take that as, oh, they're, they're actually giving me the credit, you know? That's not how it's supposed to be. Like, we are proclaiming the excellencies of him who called us from darkness into his light. He owns it, and he's the one that called us from darkness. I didn't call myself out of that, and you didn't either. So let's go over to 2 Peter. 2 Peter 1. And I, I, so I think that helps us to understand the source of the light. Now, 2 Peter 1, I think this kind of brings up a couple of things that might help as far as this life and, and what this life really is. Let's go to verse 19. We have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. So you will do well to pay attention to this prophetic word. He's talking about the gospel. He's talking about the truth of Christ and this teaching that they've received. And that it is a lamp shining in a dark place. They were the dark place. They, they, I mean, the world is the dark place, the, the crooked and perverse generation. But the lamp is shining in them. So the lamp is the light of Christ shining in them, the dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Just in case we ever start thinking that it's of our own doing, that, that we make it happen, that this is something that we've created, that glory belongs to us or anything, it all originates with God. He is, he is the source of light. He is the one that created light in the beginning in, the, in Genesis. He is the one that brought life, light into this world through Christ. And it actually said there in John 1 that the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. The Word was God. He was the life and the life gave light. It's kind of the same thing he's saying right here. The source is God. The source is Christ. All right, let's go to 2 Timothy. I know we're going to several passages this morning. It's never a bad thing. Uh, 2 Timothy Verse 1. 2 Timothy 1, and we're going to read verses 8 through 10. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So again, there's this gospel, there's this testimony about Christ. Don't be ashamed of it. It's, it's what is providing salvation for us, for those who have called, uh, who are participating in his calling, this holy calling from God. And it's not because of our works, which is actually interesting. We're going to uh, this afternoon's class, Kelly's going to talk about some of these same things. But this whole passage is saying, like, this idea of being called out of darkness, this whole idea of being saved, this is, like, God's doing. Like, he originated, he came up with the idea of being saved. And he, he gave the ability and he gave the word that has gone out that allows us to actually come to him, to come to know of him, to believe of him, and to, to receive Christ the way we read in John 1. Here, here's the part I want to focus on is in verse 10. That all of this was manifested through the appearing of Christ. And Christ abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. All right. So I don't know for sure if this is 
meant to, I'm going to have to just clean that later. I don't know for sure if this is meant to be the case, but I don't know if he's talking about the same two things there in verse 10. Life and immortality is brought to light through the gospel. Maybe it is. Maybe it's just saying true life, like life with God and immortality. Maybe those are the same two things. But maybe what he's saying is that immortality is brought to light through the gospel. Like you understand that there is an eternal existence with God that we can have. We can be with God forever and and we can experience this eternal bliss and, and be immortal. But maybe another part of this is, well, now actually your life, your way of life right now is also brought to light through the gospel. So through the gospel, what is brought, what is brought to light and it just is known and clear to you. Not only do you have something to hope for, being heaven, being, uh, being with God forever, but what is also made known and clear to you through the gospel is how you're supposed to live now. Like life here is made known. So what I want to do is I want to spend the rest of our time talking about what that life is supposed to look like. And we're going to be uh, back. If you want to mark in 2 Timothy, we're going to come back to 2 Timothy later on. But we're actually going to go back to Philippians and just look at a few things from Philippians that maybe we already talked about, maybe a few things that we haven't talked about this year. So what I, really what I want you to do is I want you to ask yourself just a question. Does my life show that the gospel is in me? Does my life now show, does it prove that the gospel is within me? It's like, well, how can I know that? I mean, that, that's kind of a, like, how, that's not tangible, right? But the gospel is, we could say is the word, but really even that's kind of intangible. I mean, it's, it's the spoken word. It's, it's, what, it's what came, it's the message that came through Christ and through his, his apostles. But I, there, there, there's something that's supposed to be known. The gospel is supposed to bring to light, to show a life in Christ. So do you have that? So Philippians 1, beginning of verse 27, I want to read through chapter 2, verse 4. Philippians 1, beginning of verse 27. Paul says, Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of the destruction, of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engage in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. What does this life that has been brought to light by the gospel look like? Well, the first is that there are persecutions and oppressions. That, that, that is true. That there are those that uh, this light that is shined, this gospel that is lived out, is a clear sign to others of their destruction. But for us, it is of salvation that is from God. But there are persecutions and oppressions. Darkness still surrounds the light. But also part of this is that we stand firm and we're strong. Like our life should show 
that we stand firm on the foundation of Christ. We should be able to say that we're strong and that it's not of our own doing, but it is the strength that comes from God. But if I don't have that, if I, if I just always feel weak, if I never feel like I'm standing firm, then I think it's worth asking, is the gospel shining a light on your life, in your life? Another thing that I see from these passages that we just read is that we fight and work together for the truth with each other. Like we fight for it. We, we, we fight to prove it. We fight, we fight to show it in our life, but also just we, we speak it together. That we're not going to let false things about Christ and about the gospel be said. That we're going to stand next to each other and we're actually going to go and take those battles on. What does your life show that? Not to say that you're out there actually fighting with people. I mean, I mean I, I'm not saying that at all, actually. What I'm trying to say is that, you, that you're striving for the gospel. That it's meaningful to you that you're going to stand up and you're going to speak out when necessary. But you're going to show this through your life. That it's, that it's something that sets you apart. That you don't live a certain way. Another thing that I see from this is that there's a, a unity and a oneness or a sameness with the others that are in the gospel. Does your life reflect that you're in unity with your brothers and sisters? Does it look the same? Are you of the same mind? Are you striving for the same thing? And the last thing that I see from, these, from the scripture that we read is that our life is to show that we're unselfish and that we are humble because that's how Christ was. And that we actually care about others' interests more than our own. So that, that, those are some observations about this. Let, let's go on later on in chapter, chapter 2. We already read um, verse 14 through 18. So just to point out some things that were consistent from there, that, that the darkness does surround this light. So when we are, while we're living our lives, sometimes it's just easy to see, like, I just feel darkness around me. It just, it just feels like nothing's going right. I don't think that's what he's talking about here. I think what he's talking about is that the persecutions come, that, that the darkness of sin and of evil hate the light that is within us. And not to say that anything bad that goes wrong. I had a friend in college, uh, anything bad that happened to us, Chuck or anything, he would say, it's the devil getting at me. Well, he'd actually he'd be like, I tell you, that, that devil's getting at me. Maybe, maybe so, but maybe your truck is just broke and, and you need to get a new truck or you spend some money and actually get it fixed, you know? But I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to say, no, the devil has no presence in, in distracting you or discouraging you. But, but I will say this, that that's not the kind of stuff that I think he's talking about with this crooked and perverse generation, this darkness that oppresses the light. Really, I, I think what he's trying to say is that sin and evil and the influence of Satan in this world in that way will surround us. And we have to stand firm. And we have to be able to make through those persecutions. I can't blame, I can't just look at my life and say, oh my goodness, like everything is going wrong and say, well, this, that must be the light that is living in me. No, it's because we're striving for the gospel. It's because of the truth that's within us. But we continue working and running for the cause of the gospel. That's one of the other things that he said that he is going to continue, that, that he wants at the day of Christ, that he wants to be proud that he did not run in vain or labor in vain. We keep working and running, just like Paul said that he was going to do, that he wanted it to be proved in, uh, to Christ that he was going to do that. And the last thing that we do uh, in our life is that we are glad and we rejoice with others that are shining as lights. I think it's really easy for us to weep with those that weep. 
you know, weep for a loss of a loved one, weep for whatever it is, you know, just a bad situation. Weep for someone who's trying to do good and there's someone that is just keeping them down or that someone discouraging them. But on the other hand, do we really rejoice and are we glad for those that are shining as lights in the world? Do, do we not only say, ooh, that's tough, but we actually rejoice with them, that we, that we share that joy. That's what he wanted them to do here at the, in verse 17 and 18 in chapter 2. He wants them to be glad and rejoice with him, even in his chains, even when he's been shipwrecked, even when he's been beaten, even when he's been stripped, even when he's been you know, run out of cities and everything. He wants them to be glad and rejoice with him because that's the light shining through his life. And that's how we're supposed to be with each other. All right, last uh, couple passages are back in 2 Timothy. Back in 2 Timothy, we're going to look at chapter 3 and then chapter 1, and that'll be the last that we look at today. 2 Timothy 3, beginning of verse 10. Just want to take a look at uh, a few things that we that Paul says to Timothy that that seem like what he's saying is that this light that is in you, this truth that is in you, this is what it's supposed to look like. This is how it's supposed to uh, show in your life. So beginning of verse 10. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The first thing that I want to point out is that Paul is encouraging Timothy and hoping for Timothy that he would be rescued by the Lord from all these things that he has even gone through. You see that at the end of verse 11. He's endured so much, and his hope is that he would be rescued by the Lord. And I think that's exactly what he wants for Timothy. But in the meantime... He wants him to keep living a godly life while being persecuted. So we live godly lives. We're confident in the teachings that we've received, that they are from God, not just the things that men have said, but the teachings that we can read, that these writings, sacred writings. Now, I think that most likely what Paul is talking to Timothy about are the, the old sacred writings, right? What we would consider to be the Old Testament, things like that. But I don't know if that's all he, what he's talking about. Because what he goes on to say is all scripture is breathed out by God. So I, I think there's an element of both of these things, the things that have already been written down, but then all things that are spoken by God. I think both things are here in this text. And he's saying you have those things. Those things are supposed to lead to confidence, but they're also, also supposed to lead for, to us being wise for salvation. And also that we would have a sense of completion or moving towards completion because we are more equipped for every good work. Because we're taught, we're corrected, we're encouraged through these sacred writings, through these scriptures. I remember growing up and I always was, was taught that the Bible was like the key, right? I, I, don't, I don't know how many different ways I was taught that. I mean, it seemed like everything was emphasized about you got to read your Bible, you got to read the scriptures. 
And then I remember going through a period of time of being like, ah, yeah, that's important, but you're missing it. You know, if, if you think that, you're just, you're missing something. Maybe some people are, but I think I was missing something. I was missing how valuable the Word of God is. And Paul is trying to encourage Timothy that, like, there's value. There's value to the teachings and the, and the things spoken by God. And you need to be, not only see that they're valuable, see that this is something that you need to uh, be in and, and be um, clinging to, but there's, there's some great confidence and hope. There's some motivation. There's, there's things that will help us to be corrected. And it's all for us to be complete. I, I don't know any words I don't know any book that I could ever read that I could be like, if I read this book, I'm going to be complete. I'm going to have it all. Uh, And I don't think that just reading this is going to do that for you. But when it's at work within you, when your life is such that you have the light of the gospel in your life and shining through your life, there's something being worked out. In, In Philippians, he might say it's salvation. But here I think it's completion. And I think those are really kind of the same two things. There's a perfection at work within you. There's a completion at work within you. You're ready for every good work. You're going you're gonna to expel the, the false teachings. You're going you're gonna to cast out the darkness from your life. You're going to speak against the things that are they're not part of the truth, that are false things about Jesus. That's, what, that's exactly what Paul wanted Timothy to have. And that's the thing that I think we're supposed to have through the gospel as well. So our life needs to show that. And if it doesn't show that, then I think it's, fair for us to ask, do we have the light of the gospel within us? And I didn't answer would be no, we don't. Because it's not the same thing that Timothy had in him. It's not the same thing that Paul had in him. It's not the same thing that Peter said it had, he had in him. The last thing I want to look at is 2 Timothy 1. 2 Timothy 1, beginning of verse 12. Talking about these sufferings, talking about all these difficult things that are going on around us. Excuse me, uh, we're going to go back to, to verse 8. I apologize. 2 Timothy 1, verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know, I know whom I have believed, and am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me and the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. I wanted to go back and reread that just to bring out the life and immortality once again, but also to show that he's encouraging Timothy to participate in the same thing that he's done, like to be like him. And part of that is that we live lives that are unashamed and confident. And maybe those are two of the things that I don't always exhibit in my life. And I don't mean the confidence that, that sometimes I want to show people, which is that I know it all or that I got going on or whatever it is. And not the unashamed thing of like, oh, I'm not ashamed of anything. No regrets. It's not that. But that we are unapologetic in our commitment to the gospel. That we are not going to apologize. We are unashamed about our life and how we live. 
That doesn't mean that we go out and rub it in people's faces to say that, guess what, you're going to hell. That's, that's not at all what he's like. But there's just an unashamed and confident life that we live because the light of the gospel is within us. And if you don't have that and you feel like you lack that confidence, you feel like sometimes you are ashamed. I think that means a couple things potentially. One, it might, it might mean that you're not in Christ. And that's something that I don't think we should be necessarily paranoid about at all times, being like, you know, okay, I know I've already done everything that, that it says in the scripture, but I just don't, still don't feel right. I still don't feel right. Like that, that's not a healthy relationship of being a child of God. But it is fair for us to go back and think, am I in Christ? Is the light of the gospel in me? And how does that happen? Because if I don't know that, then I can't, I can't feel confident. Then the unashamed part is, looks like this. Um, we actually are lights in the world and we shine unashamed we, that it doesn't bother us. Like it, there, there's some time an internal struggle of like, man, I, I do want to go do this. And I, I know that they think I'm different, but that's okay. And if you don't feel that, then maybe it's because you're actually letting the darkness kind of drown out the light that's within you. And instead of living like light and shining like light, the way Christ did, the darkness has actually overpowered the light that's within you to where now you're just a nice person, right? I mean, we're in the South. I think it's easy for people to think that we're all Christians. And so we're all lights. That's not, just not the case. Not everyone is light. Only those that are in Christ. And so for you, I don't, I don't know everyone's situation here. Um, I don't know all the circumstances in your life. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what you're dealing with. But if you need prayers to help you to either be unashamed, to be more confident about the gospel, or if you need to ask questions, you need to, you need to talk to some people here and say, hey, I, I don't know how to do this better. I'm not sure if I am actually shining as a light in this world. I don't know if the light of the gospel is, is reflecting in me, and I actually don't know if I'm in Christ, so therefore I don't even know if I have the light of the gospel. Well, that's what we're here to help each other understand. I know that this might not have been a super practical lesson as far as, so this is what you do tomorrow, you know, one, two, three, A, B, C, all that kind of stuff. But I was hoping just to show the connection of light and life so that as we wrap up this last year where we've been trying to work out our own salvation and shine as lights in the world, that we can actually leave and say, you know what? This light is supposed to make an impact in my life and I'm supposed to live a certain way. And that means right now I live this way. This light of the gospel is showing through in me and now I'm actually looking forward to immortality with God. That whole pattern that uh, you can still kind of see on the board, actually, like our goal is to be there. Like we start here and we can follow this pattern. We have life. We know how to live now, but we just want to be with God. And if you need help with that, this group is here for you. If you have questions about how you can be in God and be with God and have him dwell with you, and we want to help you with that as well. William's going to have a song. Uh, we considered our invitation song, but it's really just our closing song. Afterwards, if you have some questions or you need some help, or if during the song you decide you need some prayers, uh, you can let one of us know up here at the front. Let's stand and sing number 815. <clears throat>